This is the Mindful Experiment Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Vic. Excited that you're here. This podcast is all about diving deep into the mind and understanding this experiment or this game we call life. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The biggest battle we will ever have to face is the battle between you and you. It's the battle of taking your mind to that limit and then breaking through. On the Mindful Experiment podcast, we will share concepts, universal laws, and interviewing individuals who have done just that, who have gone through the dark times and through those moments allowed their light to shine bright. I'm your host, Dr. Vic Manzo, and I want to thank you for listening to the podcast and taking this journey with me as we discover different avenues to break through those limits, expand your reality, and evolve into the person you desire to be. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hey everyone, this podcast is sponsored by Empower Your Reality. Empower Your Reality is a company that I founded that is going to be transforming the world. Um, it's a conscious-based online school, and we also offer one-on-one coaching, group coaching, multiple online classes, online retreats, in-person, eventually it's going to be coming out. Um, we also have a line of books that we do. Right now, they're only being written by me, but eventually we're going to be adding other people onto the publishing site so that we will be publishing their books, and we look for specific authors to help us on our journey as we go through this. You can find out more information and follow us on at empoweryourreality.com where you can get copies of a book uh, first few chapters for free and so much more so go check that out at empoweryourreality.com thanks for tuning in and enjoy the show 
What up, everyone? This is Dr. Vic, and you're listening to The Mindful Experiment. Each week, we have someone new and exciting to dive into who's going to share some amazing content to help empower you on this experiment of life and understanding the depths and the struggles and so much more. In this episode, I had the distinct honor and pleasure to interview Kirsten Beverly Waters, and what an honor it was. And we had a lot in common. She wrote a book about struggling and being the, your, uh, as I quote here, your struggle guru. Um, and I was very fascinated because I was excited to chat with her because I wrote a book called The Walk in the Dark in a very similar in many ways, just different terminologies. And it was really exciting to share with her and get to know a lot about her, her journey, her story, and how it's going to help empower you in your life and everything you do. Kirsten is a yoga medicine teacher, fitness coach, author, and motivational speaker. Kirsten is known, known for using innovative movement methods to bring a modern approach to yoga's ancient wisdom. Teaching movement through the lens of mental wellness, whole body health, and spiritual groundedness, she helps others find their sacred body and soul connection. As the founder of Eero Wellness, her work is a practice of cultivating your inner warrior, changing self-talk that does not serve us, and finding strength in our struggle. Sharing her experiences with cancer, mental health, and grief, Kirsten shares the power of harnessing our inner guru. Kirsten adds levity to the movements that grab hold of us, the heart, the hardships, the hardest, and helps her students transform the weight into strength. While much of her early teachings focused on her experiences in sports and athletic training, Kirsten has evolved her practices into an adapt adaptation of athleticism and power anchored in healing and therapeutics. Kirsten leads yoga and mindfulness trainings around the world and offers trainings for educators and coaches across the country. As a dynamic speaker and lecturer, Kirsten has been invited to work with local universities and high schools in creating mental health mindfulness training programs for athletes. She continues her work one-on-one -on -one with cancer and chronic pain patients, developing personal therapeutic yoga practices that address each student's cranial sacral rhythm and nervous system response. Kirsten holds a Bachelor of Science from Kent State University, as well as multiple certifications through the American College of Sports Medicine, CrossFit, and Precision Nutrition. Kirsten also holds training and certifications in emergency medical and neurodiagnostic technology. What a wonderful profile she has, a lot of credentials here, and it's a great conversation. I promise you're going to get a lot out of this between us. So here is... Kirsten Beverly Waters. Kirsten, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to have you on. I love uh, you came out with a book called Struggle Guru. And um, it's really, I think um, we look at struggle in so many different ways. And I'm, I'm really excited to pick your brain on this to see your 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 perspective on all that kind of concept and then how it plays with your life, health, and all these different things. So excited to have you on and appreciate you taking the time to be here. Of course. So as always, as my listeners always know, I always like to ask the first question is always about how did you get into what you're doing today? How did life kind of guide you into a certain, uh, did it guide you in a certain direction? Like, you know, I would say it's like the pinball effect. You just keep bouncing around. Then you're like, Interesting. I didn't know I was going to end up here. Um, how, what's your story? How did you get to where you're doing today? Well, I think that, you know, I lost my father at a very young age. So I was just turning seven years old when I lost him. And I feel like that launched me into this deep work in the human condition and becoming very observant to emotional experiences, physical experiences, mental experiences. And, you know, over the course of my life, you know, as with all of us, these various struggles um, from 
dealing with my sexual orientation to struggling with cancer and just trying to find my voice, find out who, who I am and what is the message and, and what is the profession that I was supposed to be in with all of these struggles um, is a bit of a pinball effect, but it came from that culmination of, of observation and being so fascinated by how do we really create this space of, of true wellness and happiness and what does that really mean? Because it's so easy to think that wellness means six-pack abs and, and tan skin and, and luxury vacations. And I think when it comes down to it, people want to be seen. They want to feel like they have a legacy that they've done something in this world. And we use a lot of times these physical barriers, our appearance, um, our job titles, our labels as barriers that keep us from tapping into that potential. And so that's where I really feel like many times we see struggle as this hindrance to our ability to live our best version of ourselves. And struggle guru really begins to examine what if we change, flip the script on that? And what if we start looking at struggle as our greatest ally and our greatest superpower to take us forward, examining the stories that we tell ourselves and how they influence true health, true happiness, true wellness. And the words came to the page really through a meditation that I thought lasted 15 minutes and it turned out to be three hours. And I just felt like it was the right time to take all of this observation and all of this work that I've spent my life doing and bring it to a larger audience. I love that. How, you know, why do you think people avoid the struggle? I love how you said it's like you're, you're great at, you're like your ally. And I, and I wrote a book called a, a walk in the dark and I talk about the dark as a suffering or your obstacles or challenges you face in life. We can change that term to any way what works. And I talk about how it's always like your, it's your best friend, but why do you think people like to, um, they avoid it. They don't want to go there and they kind of resist all the, all the ways they possibly can to go to that place? You know, I think in my experience, it's been, it's easier to be comfortable with things that we're not happy with than it is to move into levels of discomfort that can bring us real happiness or real wellness. And we resist those things. We resist change all the time. I mean, look at where we are in today's <laughs> date and the tiniest or the largest shift in change, we resist it and we want to rebel against it. And I think that especially with how much technology we have today, it has become an even more challenging obstacle to address, whether it's darkness, the, the dark moments, the struggle, the obstacles, because we are constantly being distracted and constantly being engaged with information. We consume information on our phones, on computers, on our GPS, on signs, everywhere. And so it, to sit with yourself and to really quiet that, that voice, that noise that's outside of ourselves and listen to what's going on inside terrifies us. It terrifies us to see, we want to see the best of ourselves. That's what we see on social media. That's what we see in the, you know, the magazines, the best version, the snippet. And when we really have to look at ourselves completely, we see that we are fallible, that we have moments that we may have the greatest of intentions, but may have caused true harm to others. And that there's a dark side to us and that dark side then 
becomes paralyzing and we're afraid to do anything about it. And so we just shove it down deeper and deeper and deeper and, and try not to address it until, you know, as I put it, we all reach a point where we just find ourselves in the wilderness and we ask, how did I get here? And that's usually when people start unraveling these obstacles, these struggles and looking at their story. I love how you bring up the point of how you get there. Cause is it, I know, I know you may have been there. I know I have, where it's kind of like, you know, as much as I work on mindfulness and mindset and, you know, trying to be aware and present and all that, I'm human too. And I get caught up in things. And it's one of the things where then all of a sudden it's like, it, I'm like, who, where did, how did I get here? What am I doing? how did this happen? Who am I? Where did this, where did this, how did I get to this place? And how did I miss this? You know, it's, and it's fascinating for me. Um, and it's humbling at the same token. I don't know if you have those experiences once in a while. Uh, absolutely. I think, I don't think you can be human without those experiences. <laughs> <laughs> I like, I would be, I, anybody who tells you otherwise is definitely trying to sell you something. <laughs> Couldn't agree more there. Now, how did, you know, you had a cancer diagnosis and so forth and that, um, you know, I've, I've had, I've interviewed people before about with that. And, and it's interesting because they're, when they walk away from, you know, they, they, they got through it and, and, and so forth. And they look back on their life and they always come back looking and saying like, I'm happy it happened or it was a blessing or it taught me things that I was avoiding. What, you know, did you have one of those type of like epiphanies or, you know, was there some sort of a, a aha moment for you? Yeah. You know, it took, it took a long time to get there. I would say that only really in the last few years and, you know, my diagnosis was more than 15 years ago, but it's taken a long time to get to that place of appreciation that it happened and not because I was bitter or angry, but I harbored so much guilt because I didn't just, you know, go through my cancer treatments, but I also was working with cancer patients as a fitness instructor simultaneously and, and as a yoga teacher and seeing these amazing people that I got to have such wonderful conversations lose their battle created this survivor's guilt. And I felt like I wasn't worthy of being here and that some of these people that I had been around to who struggled so long and lost their battle should be here. And so it's hard to be like, oh, I'm so grateful this happened. What ended up happening for me was I lived, so I better make good use of it. I better use my voice, um, you know, which is a conversation I had with a couple cancer patients. We would say over and over, you know, if we, if we get past this, Let's, let's use our voice. Let's make change. Let's do things because life is short. And I think that anytime we are faced, whether it's ourselves with the limitations of our life, that we have this finite time on this earth, we want to make big changes. We're willing to take bigger risks. And that comes back to also being able to look at those darker sides of ourselves, the whole picture of, of who we are, because it, matters it really matters and we want we want to change for the better so you know only over the last few years as i've worked through my personal stories my personal struggles and identified that guilt and that shame was i able to come out on the other side and say you know what i i'm here i'm here for a reason and that reason is to continue to share the voice that you don't have to go to these extreme levels you have the ability to experience the, the joy and the gratitude that I have right now post cancer without having to go through that experience. We don't, we don't have to go through this life or death situation to start living our life with purpose and, and making change for the better. 
I couldn't agree with that more. I remember listening to um, a video, and I forgot where, but it was talking about how guy had a, a diagnosis, and it was cancer, and he had a certain amount of time to live. And he was just like, well, you know, the, I, I got to, you know, change my life around. I got to get more focused. And then he started looking and evaluating his life and all that. But at the end of the day, he was like, well, the great, the moment, the point I got out of it was, is that we all have a, a, a death, we all have a, a death is coming. You know, we all have a, a time frame of when that's going to happen. We don't know when it's going to happen. So why not, you know, start living to your best now and do what you can to, you know, like you said, live your purpose, live your truth, share your, share your light to the world and leave a legacy here or leave something behind uh, in that process. And so it's, a, it's, it's, it's a, some people, fortunately, sometimes humans, we like to get knocked down to the floor many times before we finally go, all right, time to make a change. I'm tired of this. <laughs> but that's part of the human experience, right? Yeah. Well, and, you know, we, as you know, if we don't learn from history, right, we're doomed to repeat it. And I feel like struggle, struggle is going to keep coming around a specific struggle. If you're like, why am I always struggling with this? Well, there's obviously a lesson we, we haven't learned. And I, tell people often that, you know, I believe in God and I don't think God, I think God realizes that I'm not good with subtleties. So oftentimes I feel like he's got to club me over the head in order to know that I need to make that shift. It can't be like, oh, I saw a gentle breeze and a, and a leaf fell to the earth and I knew it was my time to change it. It's like everything fell apart. I had nothing left. I was eating a loaf of bread and peanut butter for a month trying to survive off of it. And I guess I need to make a change. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the same person. So I know how that goes. <laughs> but through all this journey, how, you know, would you say with your journey and, and, and just the journey in general with the book and all that, how does the struggle help you? Um, and this may, may or not. So correct me if, I, if it isn't, but how, does the struggle in your, through what you go through help you better understand your personal identity? And if, if it does, how? Yes. Um, I fully believe that our struggle, as I said, is our greatest teacher, our greatest ally. So struggle guru, you know, I, I am no one's guru. And from a yoga world, guru is a very sacred word. And I believe that we have this guru within each of us, this master within each of us that is sitting within our struggles. And as we begin unpacking those struggles, it means unpacking our stories. What are the thoughts that we keep having? What are the jobs and relationships that we keep falling into these patterns? For so many people, our stories, we think that we have as many chapters to the story of our life as we do our age, but most people keep reliving the same chapters, same five chapters of their life over and over and over again. And if you can think of any great book you've ever read, could you imagine reading the first five chapters like, ooh, this is interesting, what happens next? And then it starts over. You'd be like, they messed up this book. <laughs> Somebody didn't print this right. But we do this you know, every single day. So sitting with our stories, sitting with some deep questions, I start in the book with looking at our stories from a compass perspective. And each directional point ties to a different part of our story. So North is our true North, our true self. And what is that being entity like? Because ultimately, if I strip away the flesh and bone, the energy, the space that we take up, that people feel when you enter a room, that is who you are. It's not the color of your skin, your sexual orientation, your, your job title. It's none of these things. It's the energy we bring to it. And that's our North, which is anchored to our Southern point, which is spirituality or, or our belief system. So you don't have to have a religious 
conviction, but we all have strong, deeply rooted beliefs. And looking at our belief system is going to point to the type of energy and the type of person that we're becoming. And if we don't like that, then we need to look at our belief system and evaluate it. Our Eastern compass point is the education or external experiences that we go through in our life. This can be formal education, but also conversations with people, um, important engagement in activities and learning experiencing. And that ultimately leads to the Western point of the compass, which is our wisdom. And that is what we share. That is part of our legacy that gets carried on as we share it with other people. And if we feel like our story is askew, I often tell people it's because North is just maybe one degree off. And anybody who has any had any experience with compasses, one degree off our North, actually calibrating the compass. If we're in the space of our home, maybe I went from my kitchen to the living room and I ended up at the couch instead of the coffee table. But if you do that in the wilderness and you're one degree off and you went 20 miles, you may end up in a completely different territory. And that's the wilderness that I'm talking about where we wake up one day and we're like, how did I get here? Sometimes we turn our compass just one degree off to mimic someone we idolize or we really admire. And that's not our compass. So when we start following all of their activities and follow their story, we, we end up in their wilderness, not ours. So that's the first part is looking at the stories from the compass perspective. And I have quite a few questions at the back of the book in the Guru Beginnings Journal, where you start to unpack that and really start to look at those and it will help you see how struggle becomes this superpower that can change your wealth, your health and wellness. I love that. I love the story about how sometimes we get idolized somebody and then we end up in their wilderness instead of our own. And um, I've been down that path multiple times and it's been, uh, it's always interesting when you're, you, again, the wake up, I always call it like the wake up call. You're just like, hold up here, wait a minute, right? You know, we were discussing earlier. I love the whole compass thing too. That's, that's really creative uh, to give people an idea and understanding, you know, your true north and all the other things that you, you just explained so uh, wonderfully here. Um, what, how important is it um, to ask the right question? I think if we become so fixated on asking the right question, we stop asking questions at all. So I always encourage people just continue to be inquisitive. The right question, you'll know when the right question comes up to, to move you, you'll feel it. It's a, you know, the body body remembers things that the brain tries to protect us from. So even like from a trauma perspective there, you might think mentally you've gotten past it. And then all of a sudden an experience happens in your body in a workout that all of a sudden you're angry or tearful. So the same sort of thing, knowing in our body, we can feel in our body that these questions are right because it evokes a response. We want to, we want to take action. When you're really ready to take action, you're asking the right questions. When you ask a question, that's a good question that'll lead you towards that question. You might still sit in this place of contemplation. You might not be ready. And I see this a lot in, in you know, in fitness and wellness. All of people are like, I'm ready to, to lose weight and, and to be stronger. But then when it comes to following through, they don't. And it's not because they're lazy. It's not because they can't. It's because they haven't asked, they haven't found that question yet. That's the right question for why they're there and why they want that change. But there's no rush in that. I really want to emphasize, we are all on our own timeline. Just like you said, everybody, 
everybody has an expiration date, right? Like we don't know when that is, but we have to trust that the struggles, the experiences we're having are moving at the timeline that is appropriate for us if we really listen and keep asking the questions. I love it. Would you call that divine timing? Like everyone has their own divine timing to things? Yes. I, I, and that's something I certainly believe in, you know, again, not everyone's going to ascribe to, to that, but if nothing else, just knowing that internally there, there is universe science, whatever your belief system is structured around, there is a timeline that is right for you. And when you try to rush it, you'll meet a bigger struggle. So think of it as a bigger ally, a bouncer to the club that you're trying to get into, (laughs) right? Like they're not going to let you in. It's not your time. Um, Or the struggles are still there. They're never going away, but maybe it's a smaller one. It's a softer voice. It's a different between, it's difference between a whisper and being at like a crowded concert with people shouting at the top of their lungs. (laughs) I love that. That's something that um, I always talk about a lot. And I love the whole bouncer thing because it's true. Like when you try to force it and I used to be that type of guy as a type A personality, I still am, but um, task oriented and, and looking at understanding universal laws, quantum physics, all the spiritual principles and stuff. And I'm like, okay, this is what you got to do. This is how it goes. Boom, boom, boom. It happens. And then roadblock struggle, massive obstacles, like hitting a wall and coming, falling back and going, Ooh, hold on here a minute. Let me take a couple of minutes to get, try to get back up. And it, it was to a certain point where um, I started realizing like, hold on, I'm trying to force this and the universe always knows best. So how about if I just take a moment and slow down and just say, you know what, what can I control and what can I control? And then how about I just focus on me? And then when I'm ready, everything will show. Absolutely. Well, and I always think of like hiking a mountain, So imagine a massive mountain. You have the option. You can try and sprint up it, but you'll probably have to stop many times gasping for air, feeling like you're dying. Or we can be steady and be really mindful and conscious of the fact that that mountain isn't going anywhere and we can take it in smaller pieces, stop every once in a while to enjoy the view and enjoy the process. And ultimately we will get there. It's not moving. But many people think that if they just attack it, that it will go away or get smaller. It does not. And I learned that very early running cross country. (laughs) My coach was like, do not attack the hill. The hill has been there. It's going to be there when you get to the top and attacking it is only going to be harsher on you. And that's what we do with struggle, right? Like we think we have to attack it head on rather than just taking it in in smaller pieces and continuing to move through the process. That will shift us in the right direction. I like that. Your coach had a, had some good advice there. Um, I don't know if I asked this before. I know you, you probably shared bits and pieces of this, but I, I wanted to just make sure that I asked this question. So that way, you know, when it comes to the book, we can really just break down what it is. So when it comes to the book, what does really struggle guru truly mean? So struggle guru examines our biography and how it influences our biology that ultimately The stories that we're telling ourselves are going to influence the way we breathe, we think, we move, we connect with people. And so the hope certainly is that as you move through this book and continue to have these questions asked about your story and your struggle, that you can become your greatest teacher. Because I can tell you all the things, I can want it for you and want the best life for you. But ultimately, the only person who knows you is you. And that's your greatest teacher. So you can become your own struggle guru and we can expand the language of struggle so that more people know 
struggle, connect with it. And that's why your story is so important. So sharing your struggles with others, even if it feels like it's the same story you've heard over and over, your experience is unique and it's going to expand the connection to other struggle gurus so that we can start moving out of struggle as this negative word, this negative experience to our ally and our superpower to change our lives and change the world ultimately. Love that. How does the stories telling and the, the stories in general, how does that create change and, and, and transformation or help individuals, you know, to, um, bec- to discover the guru within themselves and so forth? Yeah. It, the stories look at, well, first of all, the stories that I present in the book are, are my personal stories and whether you identify with all of them or not, um, starting to ask ourselves, like looking at the major struggles that you would label your major struggles in your life and looking at what led up to that moment and looking at those stories. Um, I try to pick some common struggles that over my, over the years of teaching and and fitness and wellness from time management to authentic voice and knowing ourselves. There's a chapter called humble pie is making me fat, which is discussing how we carry the weight of other people's expectations or views of us and starts to manifest physically, mentally, emotionally. Um, And so looking at all of these stories one at a time, each chapter will give you the opportunity to look at some common struggle stories if you're not sure where to start on what your biggest struggles are and then build from that into your own storytelling. Because again, if I say that the reason I can't lose weight is I don't have enough time, maybe our struggle is understanding time's significance in our life and how it works and why it's such a struggle. Or if I'm looking at not being authentic to my voice, you know, for me, again, with my sexual orientation, I had to hide that. I still in some ways feel days where I have to hide it to protect myself. How can I really be authentic to myself? That's going to manifest in its own struggles. And that can be physical ways, mental, emotional, spiritual ways. So it, it's the little things like chipping away small bits. We'll start to see how that influences our way to connect with types of people, the type of relationships that we engage in, the types of jobs we go after. And just those tiny shifts, just the awareness is going to start to shift our story. And we start to breathe a little easier knowing that we're putting this to paper. We're looking at our stories and uh, start to unpack it so that we can make changes, make shifts in the direction that we really want to go. That's awesome. And when it comes to the stories, like how important is it to focus on the stories that you're telling yourself, right? Because we have, uh, you know, you, you create, we all have stories of what we can say, you know, it can be like, um, I was talking to someone and they were talking, we were talking about like, I'm a chiropractor. And so we were like, oh, you know, chiropractors, we have this little bit of a struggle when it comes to this and this, and the guy's like, that's just your belief system. That's your story. And I was like, true, that is. Um, and it's being aware of them because that's where we can create the change and then we can change the story and then it changes our life. How important is it to be aware of the stories that you're telling yourself and then also how that affects your uh, physiology and, your, and, and your, your mood and your mental health and things like that? So I think one of the things that's interesting that you brought up just there is you were discussing a struggle in chiropractics and then someone says, well, that's your belief system. So this is where if we look at like interception awareness versus interception accuracy. Um, Take, for example, on a physical level, if I, and I've done this in 
when I worked as a neurodiagnostic technician, if you look at the heart rate, so if you ask somebody if they have a high heart rate and they're doing a physical activity, they might think that their heart rate's really high because maybe they're, they feel out of shape. But the accuracy of that is when I'm looking at their EKG is that their, their heart rate isn't that high and that their, their heart is very steady. So we think that awareness is enough. And awareness is a good starting point. But if our awareness is so far from accurate, like you were saying, okay, well, my awareness is that this is a difficulty, this is a struggle. And someone's saying, no, actually, that's just the belief system. There is a disconnect between the accuracy of it and the awareness of it. And the more we can start to bridge that gap and bring them closer, then, then we start to create that sweet spot for change. And that's why look at the stories, write the stories, that's our awareness. And then I'm providing a perspective that helps bring some of the accuracy in it. So bring it home to say, okay, you might think this because it's so hard because you're stuck in the center of struggle and you can't see from this outside observational space. Let me provide a little bit of observation externally so that we can bridge this gap between that awareness and that accuracy so that we can start to make internal change that is really impactful. I like that. And it's always about small, simple things that you do to, you know, like you said, bridge the gap to allow that to be, is it more from when you're talking about like an understanding within yourself or is that with another person uh, when it comes to that? You know, both. I mean, we understanding our internal, I mean, ultimately, only I can control my thoughts, my experiences, my story. I can't control other people's stories or other people's experiences. So that's where I can look at someone else's story, have a conversation with somebody else, and we can use this as a broader range of something to look again at that accuracy piece. Like from a research perspective, we have to look at outside variables. If, if I don't know anything but myself, I needed something to need something to compare it to. And that's why struggle guru is so important for people to share their stories because it provides more feedback for people to look at, okay, is my awareness so far off of what is really happening in this type of situation, in this type of struggle, or Am I providing a new parameter for somebody who thought that this was not a possibility and it absolutely is a possibility because there are other people experiencing it? So we need both. I agree. And I think sometimes too, we get so caught up that where we think it's just us, like no one else experiences this. It's only me. It's my life. And especially in this day and age, I think with technology and social media, and we're all, you know, looking at, you know, I, I call it fake book in a sense, because we're always mm-hmm. we're on Instagram, because you're always, all you're doing is taking snippets of what's the greatest parts of your life or, and you always look happy. And, and, and some people are like, man, that person's like always happy. They're smiling. They're always positive. They're always this. And I'm like, there's other sides to an individual. It's very easy to show one side um, because you get to choose what you want people to see you as um, compared to what is. And I think that was where I think in today's era that can also play a huge role because if you're not sharing a story or connecting with others and, and, and sharing stories, and I see this in men a lot because um, men will think it's just them and I, women do the same thing, but it's just one of the things where like, uh, it, it, this is just my, my issue. It's my experience is what I'm going through. And that's it. And men, we're not, the, most men are not the type to where they want to, they're not expressive about their emotions and feelings. And it's one of the things where, but once they start to open the door, it's like, holy cow, they start, I know some individuals that will start talking and opening up and sharing. And then they're like, they'll get teary eyed. And they're like, I thought I was the only one. And I'm like, no, there's other people out there. And I think that's where the, the power of sharing stories it, it comes in. Would you, would you agree with that? 
Absolutely. I mean, storytelling has always been an integral part of humanity. We just, like you said, it used to be that we wanted to share the whole story, like to be an orator in a tribe, to be able to share the history. You wanted to share its entirety and it was such a gift and honor to be able to do so. And now we hide behind these stories because like you said, we get snapshots of people's experiences and we think that's the only way that people really connect. I mean, when I, I mean, my social media too, like it's curated, like it's curated because I'm a business. And when I put up these things and people see this humanity, that's not what they want to hear. I mean, I've had people on both sides, like, why do you seem so happy? But then you say you've, you've struggled with depression your whole life. I'm like, well, because ultimately I still have to run a business. And then you're like, but now I'm not being authentic to it. So I had the, it took me a long time to then stray away from that and say, okay, you know what? I'm giving an honest snapshot of what I'm experiencing on, on social media from a business perspective and people. And, and I realized that I'm then impacting people. If all I'm putting out is the positive. Well, I'm not being authentic to my voice either. So being able to share that now is, is so important because people, I want people to know I, I am human. I have problems and issues like everyone else. I wake up days and I, I don't feel like I am enough or I am struggling with, you know, depression or anxiety and I have to work through that like everybody else. And to put up a snapshot that says some picture that's beautiful and has a really great quote isn't helping people. It's just pushing people again, a little askew on that compass. So true. Yeah. And it's, it's one of the things where and it's interesting people, when you start doing that more people, um, I wouldn't say flock to you more, but they, they appreciate it and they'll, they, they see you being more authentic. And I think in today's era also, I think people are craving more to be authentic and, and showing like, Hey, here's my struggle. Here's where I'm at. Um, this is what I'm dealing with today or something along those lines. What kind of advice? Cause this has been one heck of a year and uh, with COVID and everything going on. And, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot of struggles going on in many ways. I mean, there's businesses that had to close down. There's people who have maybe financial stuff going on. Um, then there's also the, the whole quarantine and lockdown, which plays a massive role, um, taking away one of the biggest health benefits for humans, which is community, tribe, connection in a, in a face-to-face type of world. Um, those who are struggling in some way, shape, or form, what kind of advice can you give? Um, that, that you can help them give some piece of information to um, how to tap in deeper or whatever, whatever advice you have. You know, one of the things that keeps coming up is people talk about the new normal, adjusting to the new normal. And so one of the biggest pieces of advice I've given students of, of mine is we have to define what new normal means in our lives because many people are applying their their mental health therapeutics to what used to be and their routines to what used to be in. And they keep saying it's new normal, but we're not addressing what new normal actually means for us. So if previously you could go to the gym every day and that was such a major part of your mental health um, wellness and well-being, and you can't do that because you're in a state or country that that's not a possibility, how can you adapt to that? I'm not saying that it's going to be easy. I'm not saying that you're going to like it in that initial point, but we have to, the reason humans still exist is because we are an adaptable species. 
But that means redefining the parameters of what is our new normal and how can we start to meet it there? Because living in the past and saying, well, this used to be this way and this used to, is only going to compound the struggle and make it worse. We have to be honest again, take an honest inventory of right here where we are right now. That's the only way we're going to progress forward um, is start creating those new boundaries. So I usually ask people, what are three needs that you you need in order to feel, to feel human, to feel connected, to feel strong. You know, for myself, it is meditation, movement, breath. Um, I usually add a fourth and say nature. So movement and nature kind of get piled together. And then I base my wants for a day. What do I want to accomplish today? And I base them off those needs. Is it breath work from a yoga meditation standpoint, or is it just being grateful for my breath? Nature might be going out in physical nature. That's not a possibility for everyone, but that's where I start to connect with my human nature. What kind of books or nourishment in terms of what I choose to engage in on social media, online, et cetera, will help feed a better human nature within me. Um, and then, you know, movement is this ability to move my mind, move my body, what feels good in that way. And I adapt those once each day and they always come back to my needs. And that's helped me and a lot of the students that I work with create this space for new normal and cultivate struggle as a way to um, be the fertilizer to their growth. I saw a really amazing picture the other day and it's this tiny little, basically, piece of grass popping up out of the ground. And everyone said, I, it said, I thought I was trying to grow tall, but I didn't realize I was digging so deep and expanding my roots. So we think that if I can't see the physical on the outside that you're changing as this like great grand tree that nothing is happening, but you're building such a strong root system. And that's what we can do in this, this new normal quote unquote is build a really strong root system that keeps you strong and keeps you growing. I couldn't agree with that more. I think, and, I, and that whole new normal thing, yeah, it's, it's, it's a great way. I think with, with COVID that when everything that happened, it was, I think it was the biggest reset in the world to reset values, reset your life and see what really matters. And for those who are taking advantage of that, they are creating their new normal and it's, and it's, it's shifting and looking at your value system and see what really matters and making those choices. And the whole root thing, I'm huge on that. I mean, so you do, do you have like a, uh, is it different things that you like to do or is there a certain practice that you have where it comes to a breath work or a meditation or how do you, so I always call it, and I've been educating my patients on this since March about how when there are, we face stressful times, we have to take more self-care to replenish ourselves and return home to center ourselves more because if we don't, we get caught up in the storm and the chaos. And so do you have a ritual or a practice or things that you do that um, has tremendously helps you and you share with your students and so forth? Yeah, so I, I actually have a training that I call OM training. So OM like the chant, which stands for observe the mind, move the body. And there's an AM practice and a PM practice. So the AM is an active mindset and the PM is a passive mindset. So finding things in the morning that help prime our mind and prime our body. So it doesn't have to be long. Maybe it's just doing, you know, 15 jumping jacks and then focusing on inhales and exhales for one minute. And then the passive mindset, the evening practices usually center around settling the nervous system, allowing the body to move from this space of fight or flight to rest and digest. 
And so it might just be uh, elevated pillows stacked underneath your back so that you're lifted up at, you know, around a 45 degree angle, arms are open, legs are open, and you just close your eyes. Um, you know, I have different meditations that I'll send to them that they could listen to while doing that, or even just listening to sounds of nature. So if you like to connect with nature, but you can't get there, there's so many sounds on various platforms that you could listen to oceans or babbling brooks or birds or any of those. And just let yourself, let the thoughts come in and out. Don't, you know, I always tell people, we don't have to attach ourselves to it. I think of it like an ocean wave. The waves are going to come in, but they're also going to go back. So just kind of let those flow, let them be and settling into that space. So that's one of the techniques that I use with my students and I use for myself. I have a specific meditation that I like to use. It's, it's called the heart temple. So it's a very visual meditation that creates a temple within your mind and helps you structure what that temple looks like and creates a safe space for you to go to. And then you can return there anytime you need it to create this space, this energy and conservation of your sanity, perhaps, um, but also your well-being. So those are some of the things that, you know, that I use. For me, again, it always comes back to I need some sort of breathwork, meditation and movement um, in nature. I run. I, I enjoy running. It allows me to connect to my breath and be in nature and be inside my thoughts. But I know that is not most people's favorite thing to do. So um, exploring, allowing themselves to, to try different things that activate the mind in the morning, but then let it settle because so many of us are staying in this active mindset and that disrupts our sleep, which disrupts our immunity, our health and our well-being. I love that. And, and being in your own thoughts uh, sometimes can be a scary world for many. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I've had some people like when they start, I try to teach them meditation and the, try to get them into that state. And then they're just like, I'm so frustrated. I can't do meditation. This is so aggravating. I'm like, what's wrong? They're like, yeah, it's so, ag it's so out of there. I can't, I'm just, I can't, I'm, I'm, I'm like mad. I get anxious. And I'm like, cool. It's been a while since you've tapped into that body, huh? <laughs> yeah. You know what though? I mean, that's why a lot of people are afraid to do meditation. And that's where I usually encourage people to do a walking meditation. Cause you can do this, you know, down to your mailbox where focus on just the right foot landing and breathing out each time the right foot lands or focus on the hand moving through space, picking something like physical in the body to focus or what does it feel like with the ground underneath it, that in itself is a meditation and helps to settle the thoughts a bit. Um, so I find for people who are like, I can't sit with this, this is too, because it is, sometimes it, it is absolutely aggravating. I think perhaps the great disservice we do sometimes in meditation is there's this belief that it's emptying the thoughts and clearing yourself out and just being peaceful and still, and that is not every meditation by any stretch of the imagination. So true. Yeah. Always. And, and it's for the listeners, always start small, right? I love that. Take a walk to the mailbox, focus on left foot, right foot, uh, whatever you have to do to get into that practice. Um, I always love to ask this question. And when it comes to a book that someone has written, who did you write the book for? Well, I, I mean, I, I would love to believe that I wrote the book for every person who ever felt like they were struggling through, through something and hasn't been able to find the words or find the courage perhaps to verbalize it or, you know, even think about it. But the truth is, I mean, it became my own, my own therapy to be honest with my voice, with my struggles. 
And I had shared so many of these stories with athletes that I would train and students that I would teach that I felt like I needed to do it for myself to be as authentic to who I am and what it is I'm trying to do as possible. So there's certainly some selfish motivation behind it, but with a, a greater intention of reaching anyone who feels like I'm not seen. People don't see my struggle. I want them to know that I see them and that there is a world of people who see them and that they're not alone. I love that. And that's, that's self, that's being, you're selfish with selfless, you know, it's, um, uh, you're, you're, you're sharing your, 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 your voice to the world. And I think, you know, and it is therapy, right? Sometimes writing a book can be therapeutic. It's like, wow, yeah. All right, cool. And then it gives you that confidence. I know it did for me on my, uh, second book when I wrote, it was all about that. It was just like, building confidence and just sharing a story and just, but again, it's just getting information out there to help individuals. And you have, here's my story. Here's my experience. I give this to you. Hopefully somebody reads it and they love it and they can connect and they can help them on the journey. Absolutely. Right? So how can people connect with you, get a hold of you, find out what you're up to, how to get the book and so much more? Yeah. Um, easiest way is to go onto my website and the website is kbwaters.com. And on there you have links to purchase the book. There are one-on-one -on -one sessions, also information about retreats, although most of the retreats are virtual at the moment, but I do do retreats all over the world where we have deeper conversations and use you know, things like whitewater rafting, hiking, yoga, running um, to connect to these kinds of questions and struggles. So kbwaters.com is the easiest way to get a hold of me. Awesome. I'll have that in the show notes for all the listeners listening. Um, Kirsten, I love the work you're doing. Love the book. I love you sharing your light to the world and just taking some time to share with the listeners uh, what you are up to, your, your, the, how to be a struggle guru and so much more. So just thank you for all that you're doing. Thank you for giving me this opportunity to share it. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the podcast. For past shows, please visit www.empoweryourreality.com. I hope this show inspired you and added to your life to help you on the journey to rediscover who you really are. To connect with us on Facebook, please visit www.facebook.com forward slash Dr. Vic Manzo. Check us out on Twitter. The handle is Dr. Vic 21. Follow us on Instagram, www.instagram.com forward slash Dr. Vic Manzo. If you were inspired by the podcast, pay it forward by sharing it with someone who you know can benefit from it. Thank you again for listening to the Mindful Experiment podcast, sharing paths to help you rediscover your infinite potential. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 
Thanks for tuning into the podcast. If you found this episode to be inspirational, pay it forward by sharing it with someone that you know can benefit from this. If this is your first time tuning in, please follow us, connect with us so you don't miss another amazing episode. And until next time, keep rocking and rolling.